Turn with me this morning in your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. I told you in the first Lord's Day of January that I had two texts of Scripture. I was wrestling with them in my mind. I whittled them down from 118 to 2 and I couldn't settle on which particular one was the best model text for 2018. I've already preached one of them, Psalm 3, verse 3. Be thou my shield, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. And this portion of scripture, Second Chronicles 15, contains that second text of scripture. And I let you decide uh, which one that you feel uh, best suits you at this particular <coughs> time. Let me just say this morning that, of course, everything that I preach and prepare here, um, I, I do so as a, a one-off. It's not something that I have cooked up in the past and rehashed and set before you. Uh, so everything I seek to bring is something new and something fresh. And I, I trust that in that this morning we'll uh, receive it as a, as a word from the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 15, if you found the place, uh, we commence reading at the verse 1, and we're only going to read uh, the uh, first um, nine verses of the chapter. Second Chronicles 15, verse 1, let's hear the word of the Lord, reading of course from the authorised version. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the country. A nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Obed the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 9. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing 
this reading of the Holy Scripture. Now my text this morning is taken from Second Chronicles chapter 15 and the verse 7. Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And my theme today is simply entitled, A Word for Weary Workers. These words were spoken by Azariah the prophet to King Asa on his return to Jerusalem. This was a powerful appeal of a particular kind to the king. This was really a personal appeal to the king's heart and mind in his day and generation. Asa was the third king of Judah. He had come to the throne at a very difficult time, especially for the work of God in the land of Israel. At the very commencement of his reign, we read something important. Look with me at chapter 14, verse 2. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. If you read on in chapter 14, you'll discover that he restored the true worship of the living and the true God. Idolatry was dealt with and put away. He removed a lot of that idolatry that was then in the land. He rebuilt a lot of the cities of Judah. You see, Asa's aim was to fully follow the Lord. He was a man who lived to please God in all of his ways throughout his days. We would have to say of Asa that he was a very commendable young man. A young man who wanted to do what was good and right in the eyes of his God. Um, Asa, uh, his name means healer. How appropriate then. A man, a young man who wanted to do what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, given to the healing of the land of Judah, he spiritually, and of course he knew if spiritual blessing comes to the land of Judah and the territory uh, surrounding it, then other types of blessing will follow in its wake. This young man totally relied on the Lord. And that was especially so when he faced difficulty. On one occasion, a, a tremendous enemy uh, invaded the land of Judah to attack and overrun Jerusalem. And in those days, what did he do? He, he turned again to the Lord. He, he relied solely on him. Uh, if you look with me at chapter 14, verse 11, we read, for example, And Asa <coughs> cried unto the Lord as God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest in thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. What we are reading here is the Ethiopians attacking the land of Judah. Judah was outnumbered. There was one million Ethiopians had come into the land of Judah. A thousand multiplied by a thousand. And they had 300 iron chariots. 
So Asa cried. He prayed unto the Lord as God. And we read that the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa. And the Lord gave him a tremendous victory. And now after this victory, as he was returning to Jerusalem, he was met by this prophet Azariah. And this prophet had a word for the king. This was a message from God. This, if we think about verse 7, our text, is really the climax of the message. See, it wasn't a long message. It stretched from chapter 15, verse 2, right through the verse 7. The message was very condensed. It was concise. And verse 7 is the climax. And what did the prophet say to him? He said this, <coughs> Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be recorded. This was a, a relevant message, a message that right went to the, the heart of things, a message of tremendous encouragement for the king. Was the king weary at this point? Was he a weary worker in the uh, um, work of God? The answer is yes. And here was a word then for a weary worker. And I want you to notice what he said. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Three, three simple things. There's a word to remember. Be ye strong, therefore. Now, I've got here a, a truthful reminder. You see, chapter 15 opens with the appearance of the prophet Azariah. We haven't heard of him before. We have a right to ask, who is he? We have a right to ask, where did he come from? Who did he preach to? Who did he have a message for? And of course the answer is, he had a message for the king. He had a word for the king. What did he preach? It's recorded here, um, verse 2 right through to verse 7. Here's the words that he used. And we, we could ask the question, what way did he preach? And the answer is he preached a powerful message in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. He had a message from God burning in his heart for the king. A message that was one that impacted upon the king. Look at chapter 15 verse 8. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Obed the prophet, he took courage. And put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities. You see, Asa was a man with a message for the king. A man full of the power of the Holy Ghost. A man with a burning conviction. A man full of the unction of the Spirit of God. And the message that he delivered was a message that was relevant and up to date. It was bang on target. If you think of uh, uh, one thing to hit the bullseye, this is a man who not only targeted the bullseye, but a man who hit the bullseye. We get asked a question this morning. What did King Asa need at this time in his life? He needed a message from God about being strong. Be ye strong, therefore. You see, Asa was not a backslider. He was not a man out of fellowship with God. 
He was not an unbeliever. He was not an apostate. He was a man who was going on with God. We've already read chapter 14, verse 2. He did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He was a man in relationship with God. He was a faithful man of God. He was following the Lord. He's a man who just experienced the victory and blessing of God over the enemy. It was through him that the Ethiopians were smited. He was a man who was involved in the work of God. He was removing idolatry from Judah and Benjamin and the cities round about. He was restoring the true worship of God in the land. He was rebuilding the cities that had been destroyed. You could think about building walls, setting up gates, putting watchtowers in, etc., etc. He, he was doing this from that. And in that context, as he was doing what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord as God, he got a word from God. And what was that word? Be ye strong, therefore. You see, this was a timely word. This man was on the mountaintop with God, spiritually. And what a word is this? Be ye strong, therefore. But that was exactly what he needed. It was tailor-made. It was a word to encourage him. It was a word to comfort. Aren't there times when we need to be reminded to be strong? We need to be reminded in times of blasting. Because when we're being blasted by the enemy, we're weak and vulnerable. When things are hard and difficult and life is full of trials and troubles and reduced to tears. Of course, those trials and troubles ought to drive us to the Lord. To, to lean hard on him. To, to pray, Lord, strengthen me. Lord, help me. Lord, Lord, give me the strength to go on. But how much more do we not need that in times of blessing? When things are going well, we're on the mountaintop with God, when we're strong in prayer, when we're strong in the word, when we're living for God, when we're doing what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord, when we're witnessing, when we're speaking up and speaking out for him, especially in those times, we need to hear a word from God, a word about being strong. You see, this was a young man with a good record, and yet he was told, Asa, you need to be strong. Why? Because I'm convinced he was a weary worker. I want to ask the question this morning. I want you to think of your life right now. You're a believer here. You're not an unbeliever. If you're an unbeliever, we say to you to repent and believe the gospel and get right with God. You're, you're not a backslider. You're going on with God. But in what ways do you need to be strong in 2018? Could I suggest to you that you need to be strong in love? Doesn't the Bible say, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength? And, and is there not one of us here that needs to be strengthened in our love to God? <coughs> our love for the Saviour? 
our love for the scriptures, to be able to say like the psalmist, oh, how I love thy law. In our love for the Sabbath day, in our love for the sanctuary, the, the house of God, in our love for supplication, in our love for the souls of men. Could we not say not only could our love be stronger, but, but that our faith could be stronger? Couldn't we pray, Lord, increase my faith? We need to be strong in what we believe. We need to know as free Presbyterians what we believe and why we believe it. We need to know what we stand for in our day and generation. What does the free Presbyterian church stand for? Why is there a free Presbyterian church? Couldn't our testimony personally and collectively be stronger? Wasn't there a time when people took notice and cognizance of what the Free Presbyterian Church was saying or doing? Now it's irrelevant. You see, we have a responsibility to be strong in our love, to be strong in faith, to be strong in our stand, to be strong in our testimony. And of course, this could be widened out. We need to be aware of how others perceive us. What others think. You see, this is a timely message. I believe it was a timely reminder. A, a word that was more necessary for Asa now than when he began his reign. It's a timely message for us because none of us knows what we're going to face in 2018. You don't know what challenges the year will bring. You don't know what difficulties will unfold or, or you will encounter personally or we will encounter collectively. See, the Lord at times can prepare us for what lies ahead. And how does he prepare us? By giving us a word. Even a word before time. And what would the Lord's word be? It would be, ye strong therefore. This was a, a truthful reminder. It was exactly what he needed. I want you to think secondly, this was a timely reminder. Because I've asked myself the question, why did Asa need such a message, Lord? What was the big necessity? You've got a, a truthful word for him. This is a truthful reminder. This is what he needed. But, but why? <coughs> You've got the answer here. It's in the text. I want you to think of the state of the country. Look at the text. It says, be ye strong, therefore. Underline the word therefore. It means in light of this. You see, the times in which Asa lived were not a help or encouragement for him to live and work for God. Look at chapter 15, verse 3. Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. Come to verse 5. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the country. Do you see the state of the country? People by and large were without God, without 
a knowledge of him as the living and the true God without being in a, in a personal relationship with him by faith. People were without a teaching priest. There was no one to offer the blood sacrifice. There was no one to offer prayer on behalf of the people. The people were without law. Well, what did that mean? They were without the guidance of the moral law of God. In other words, there was a complete abandonment of the law. A complete abandonment of what the word of God taught and said. And the people were living like this for a long time. And in those times, some have suggested it was more than 30 years. Would not be a whole generation. Think of the young people born, children growing up. Young teenagers growing up, a whole generation when people were without the knowledge of God and a relationship with him, when there was no teaching priest and they weren't under the superintendence or the guidance of the moral law of God. I want to tell you this morning that the country cannot survive. The country cannot prosper without God. And once the country leaves God out, then that country's on the slippery slope towards judgment, devastation, ultimately destruction. And then the United Kingdom, and in the land of Northern Ireland in particular, there's been a turning away from God. I want you to think of it. Let it sink in this morning. A country without God a country without the knowledge of him. What's Northern Ireland's greatest need? It's for a divine intervention of God. It's a glorious heaven-sent revival of true Bible-believing religion. When God comes in power and blessing. When God's presence is a felt reality. When there is the moving and the work of the Spirit of God. And without that, the land's the poorer. You think of a country without a teaching priest? Isn't this a reference to the lack of a faithful ministry? No one to offer the blood sacrifice? No one to offer prayer or intercession for the people? No one to, to confess sin? A country without law? Where the influence of law is no longer felt? People have abandoned the law? People have forgotten the law? People have forsaken the law? You think of the forsaking of the Ten Commandments? Do you know vast majority of children growing up in homes today don't know the Ten Commandments? Not even the bridge diversion. They don't know where they're found in the Bible in Exodus 20. And the reality is the land has been like this a long time. And that's a big problem. It's not incredible to think that this is happening in the land of Israel in the days of Asa as the king, when he did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord as God. I want you to think this morning of the history of our own church. I think of the early prayer meetings, and I sat in some of them in the 80s in Balamina, when in the prayer meeting you couldn't get a word in, when in the prayer meeting you couldn't get in through the door for the people that wanted to be there where there was passion and power, when there was a laying hold of God and you come out of that prayer meeting and you felt that you could have, we were touched by the very presence of God. Some of you can remember the early meetings 
with hundreds getting saved. During the Minister's Week of Prayer, the Reverend Dave McMillan, who was leading one of the uh, prayer sessions, he spoke about Armagh Free Presbyterian Church. He spoke about it at the very start, I think it was 1965, at the very first tent mission, which lasted for six weeks. A tent mission, real he and sunshine, the tent meeting was packed. It was expanded three times. And there was 107 souls saved under the ministry of the late Dr. Paisley. In the opening of the church 10 years later, 1975, there was 55 souls saved. 1976, in Ballymena, there was 300 souls saved. We've heard testimony in the past about what happened in Port of Ogie over one weekend. When during the times of the Reverend David Park, there was over 30 was converted under the ministry of the late Dr. Paisley. See, the preaching then was under the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost, and God was at work. Now there's a sea change. Isn't it hard to get people into the prayer meeting with many empty seats? Sadly, many believers are just simply full of excuses. It comes down to our heart relationship with the Lord. If there's a mission, and the mission's well attended, and we get a few visitors in, we rejoice. And if we have one soul saved or two, oh boy, we're in glory land. The reality is that many of our Sunday morning services are only half full. And the Sunday evening services, many of them's only a quarter full. Why? Because there's a sea change that's taking place. It's an indication of where the country is. Because the church is a microcosm of the country, I believe. By and large, we're without the presence and power of God. And if a land has no faithful ministry, and if a land has no concept of the law of God, and not guided by the book of God, and if that's going on for a whole generation, then it has an impact. Look at verse 5 again. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out. Do you know what that means? Nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. If I could picture it, you think of a man who lived in a street. He would not venture out himself at night. He would not go down the shop to buy something at night. He'd be thinking about his own safety. There was so much violence in the land. The land was so full of so horrible tragedies that men who left their homes were never seen again. They completely disappeared. It's a bit like what happened in the Troubles in Ulster. People disappeared from their homes and were never seen again but brutally murdered by terrorists. You think of the horrible tragedy that's going on throughout the United Kingdom. You, you think of the, the drug addiction, the alcohol abuse. You think of these so-called punishment beatings. You think about our government and the, the um, legislation and laws that have been brought in all flying in the face of God's law. And you only have to think about abortion. You only have to think about same-sex marriage, the name too. Not all laws are bad. But some are bad. Because some fly in the face of God's law. 
And what I'm saying, we have a sad state of affairs here. And yet even in that, God is a timely message. And what's God's message? Be ye strong, therefore. Be strong in love. Be strong in faith. Be strong in your stand. Be strong in your testimony. <clears throat> a word to remember. I need to move on quickly. There's a weakness to recognise. And let not your hands be weak. Now, do you see that? This is said to the king. What does that mean? Asa is in danger of letting things slip. He's in danger of letting things go. He's in danger of loosening his grip on all that he had. Isn't that disturbing? The impact and the influence of ungodliness in the land so affected the man of God, the child of God, that he was in danger of letting things go, of letting this slip and that slip. And he was told by the prophet, and let not your hands be weak. In other words, hold on to the things, Asa. Fasten your grip on them. Seize hold upon them. Lay hold upon them. Let's remember this morning the devil is out to weaken the hands of God's people. Let's think of many letting go of the things of God. See, the reality is the Free Presbyterian Church is not as strong as we think we are. The reality is we no longer have a grip and a hold of the things that we once had. Why? Because we've been battered by the enemy. And we've been affected. And when you're battered by the enemy and spiritually affected, it's easy to let things go. It's easy to let things slide and slip. We're not what we ought to be for God. We're not even what we want to be for God. Let's remember the devil is out to intimidate us and to, to entrap us. The devil is out to get us to focus on our fears. You can focus on your fears in 2018. You can say there's a bleak future ahead for carried off free church. There's no hope for us. We'll never see the building open. We mightn't even see the building filled. And you see, the devil's out to intimidate us. He's out to silence us. He's out to stop us from going on with God. Think of the prayer meetings. I'll not bother going. Think of our Bible reading. Bible's dry. It's boring. It's a book that's never picked up from one week to the next. You see, let's, we've lost sight of when the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if we don't read the Bible and pray, Lord, speak to me, then, then he's not going to speak to us. We need to get a word from God. But if you're not getting a word from God, you're letting things slip and slide. There was times when people read the scriptures, memorized the scriptures, sought to live by the scriptures, sought to be controlled in their thinking and their lifestyle by the book because it's God's book. Think about church attendance. Sunday morning. Sunday evening. That's only the gospel service. I'll not bother. And of course, if people are not bothering to come themselves, they're not bothering then to bring others out under the sound of the gospel. Is that part of the reason why we're not seeing souls saved? I'm not saying it's the sole reason. Is it part of the reason? Where, where we've lost the passion for souls to, to get others out under the sound of the word of God? Lord, this soul needs to be saved. Lord, my sons and my daughters need to be saved. What about outreach? 
Have we lost the passion for souls that we just can't be bothered? Speaking to a man late last night, and he was telling me about his attempts at outreach. I reminded that brother to go to the session and tell them of what he was attempting to do in the Lord's name. Just, just to be a safeguard. But at least he was getting out there. What about family worship? What about our attitude to the Bible versions? And refusing to stand for a faithful and most reliable translation in the authorised. And we're allowing other versions to come in. What about our children's work? Have we lost sight of that? Have we lost sight of how important the children's ministry is to the church? What about our service for God? What about the sanctity of the Lord's day? Keeping it holy unto the Lord. What about the whole aspect of head covering? The whole aspect of dress? Do you see? You see, here's a gauge. Are we loosening our grip on these things? What about the church's stand for God? If it's God's will, the Pope will visit Northern Ireland in 2018 in August. We ought to be praying that Antichrist won't come. And he is Antichrist in the church, let me tell you that. And a lot of people are already asking and thinking, what will the Free Presbyterian Church do? What are they going to say? Will we continue the historic stand against Roman Catholicism and against the Antichrist? Will, will we oppose the apostasy that's happening all around us? Will we speak out against liberalism, ecumenism and modernism? What about the grip on morals itself? Think of the explosion of immorality in our land. I could go on. We have a responsibility. I have a tremendous responsibility. I need your prayers. If we're going to hold on to the things that are pure. Hold on to the form of sound words. And not let them go. You have a responsibility as a child of God. If you're saved and blood washed and spirit born, then you have a responsibility. You need to have a grip on these things too. And you need to say, Minister, we're not behind you, we're beside you 100%. We're totally committed to this stand. God bless you as you do it. You see, we can't blame God. We can't say, Lord, it's your fault. Your presence have left us. You're withholding your power and your blessing. can't really blame the times in which we live we can say oh it's the devil's fault or it's the ungodly's influence and impact upon us but remember we're allowing that to impact upon us we're allowing that to influence us and what does the prophet come to Asa and say and let not your hands be weak don't lose your grip remember the bible says whatsoever your hand findeth to do do it with all your heart with all our heart we need to hold on to these things that God has given us and not let them go and say not an inch even adopt the mindset of no surrender will not loosen our grip on the moral teaching of the word of God will not loosen our grip on the historic stand of the church we'll say all that we need to say to liberalism, modernism, ecumenism, Roman Catholicism, and we'll say it to the honour and the glory of God. A weakness that needs to be recognised. One final thought, a work that's rewarded. Look at the rest of the text. For your work shall be rewarded. The word for is because. 
Here's encouragement. Here's help and cheer for the worker in the work of God. Let's remember that your work is not in vain. Let's remember that we labor in light of the great victory of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Wasn't this what was told by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, it's not empty. Your work in prayer, your work in your stand, your work in, 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 in doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord, it's not in vain. And here's further encouragement for your work shall be rewarded. Remember what we read in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 6 and the verse 10, this is something that I've wrote in a number of cards to individuals in the church. In Hebrews 6 and verse 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints. And do minister. See, let's remember our work, and I say this in closing, is under the gaze of God. God's eye upon it. And the work is done by the grace of God. It's not in our strength. It's not in our ability. It's the help of God. I am what I am, Paul said, by the grace of God. He served by the grace of God. And we serve by the grace of God. And the work's for the glory of God. Why am I doing this? Why am I a minister in the Free Presbyterian Church? I'm here for the glory of God. That's the only reason. I'm not in the church for money. I'm not in to make a name for David McLaughlin. I, I'm not in, in it to, to build up some sort of reputation where, where people say, oh, isn't he this and that. I have an eye to God's glory. Well done, good and faithful servant. And if you want to pray for me in 2018, you pray that I be a good and faithful servant. God hasn't called us to be popular. And God hasn't called us to be successful we haven't got a popular message. It's a faithful message to God that we need to bring to the people. Our work must be under the gaze of God. God's eye, thou God seest me. I do this by the grace of God. And I'm doing it for the glory of God. Whether it's being a doorkeeper, whether Barbara's playing the organ, whether it's being a Sunday school teacher, whether it's being maintaining the services or, or contributing some money to the work of God, or whether it's inviting souls out in a Sunday to come and hear the word of God. Or whether it's taking a stand for what's right in the eyes of God, according to the word of God. Let's remember, this is our work that God has given us. And this is what he tells us, for your work shall be rewarded. Little as much when God is in it. Here's a word for 2018. A word to remember. Be ye strong, therefore. A weakness to recognize. Let not your hands be weak. And a work to be rewarded. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. May the Lord bless these few things to you this morning.